0: And we are live okay good afternoon everyone <laughs> hopefully you're having a great time in the area vicinity, the city city country wherever you are it's it's really warm here in Southern California it's triple digits for the past day or so so it's been really interesting but it didn't stop me from trying to uh, enjoy take care of clients and do all kind of cool things hello Sam sir good afternoon I owe you a call I had a bunch of Zoom calls this morning, Sam, so after this, I'll give you a chat, a ring. Hello, Jabdivine, good seeing you. AJ Thompson from the UK, thanks for joining once again and being such a loyal listener to our Tech Tuesday show. Good evening, AJ. Hello, R right-hand drive. France is in the house, courtesy of S4 by (laughs) Battle Ready, LV, good seeing you indeed. Hello, DR, courtesy of David, MK and I. Where can you get one of those hats says Josh Wonderbread from Pure All, they're my partners, and uh, I think they have one or two in stock. Hello, ID agency who makes dreams come true. <laughs> and like the ID agency, they're great guys, they partnered me with a lot of cool companies, um, recently including Rosnack, which is pretty cool. Can we hang out, says Kun uh, Of course, after this COVID thing goes, goes away. <laughs> Ah, BC My Guy says, I've says, says, uh, been a huge fan since 06 when I got my first EK Hatch. Nice, thank you so much for being a great advocate of our program. Much love to you as well. Hello, Veda Hell. I think that's how you say it. Fort Lauderdale, courtesy of Genesis Automotive. Thanks for joining us. What is that electric thing behind me, As S4. It's pretty cool. You see it's plugging in, right? The cool thing about plugging in is if you have a petrol station in your house or your work you would never go to a gas station again in your life you just ne- have no need to so this right behind me is a 2019 beautiful by the way it's a gorgeous red a beautiful 2019 Jaguar I-PACE so it's the, um, it has a nice designation on the back um, showing something very clever like an EV400 which is a little inkling of what lurks underneath this beautiful skin it's like a 395 horsepower setup, 519 pound foot of torque, amazing torque, all-wheel drive, and I, I, I'm not saying this, I'm really not patronizing these guys, but it is like the perfect luxury SUV, which is almost an SUV, but almost like a saloon, but almost like a station wagon, because it doesn't have the big proportions of an SUV. Um, there's no audio? Oh no, you guys can't hear me? Oh, okay, there's audio, okay. <laughs> Onio, you mess with me. Good. Hello, Mazi. Mazi, good seeing you. Um, wow, Super Panda's been a fan since Pomona. That was '06, my first facility, which is pretty cool. So, back to the iPace. Now, Jaguar, as you know, they've been known for racing, very strong racing her- heritage uh, in Britain or in the UK or England. Um, above and beyond that, they have done amazing things with their cars in terms of handling, so on and so forth, which is great. And this is their first foray into the EV world, similar to what I did with the K3, which is right here next to me. Um, those on YouTube can see that, but those on Instagram can't. But they did a great job. You know, there is a market leader right now in the EV world, and they do a fantastic job with you know, putting out some great awareness for the EV and how amazing it is and so on and so forth. And they have their own SUV, but One thing that was a qualm for that brand for me was that the fit and finish wasn't ideal. I mean, you get inside, the car almost looks like a prototype. You can tell that the company is not very apt in building their cars, but Jaguar has been building cars for centuries, a little close to a century now, and above and beyond that, the fit and finish inside this thing is amazing. It has that attention detail that you can can expect from luxury brands from the UK. It's very nice, and despite being 4,700 pounds, The handling is amazing. It's really, really cool. Um, I'm really impressed with this car. So impressed that I may have to get rid of my hybrid and get one of these. That's how impressed I am. Um, It's very comfortable, has an eco mode if you want to be miserly. Gets north of 200 um, miles per full charge. The kilowatt of the battery setup is like 90 kilowatt hours, which is pretty cool. So on level two, how you see me charging now, can take up to, if it's completely depleted, can take up to like nine, 10 hours. But it has the ability for direct DC, DC. Cobalt, you're here. You know that DC, DC, which is pretty cool, right? Um, you wanna see the Porsche says shutter? Okay, I'm gonna show you around right here. There it is right there. That's the Porsche right there. My EV Porsche, my first EV. Forgive me for those of you on YouTube. Okay, so it takes about nine, 10 hours to fully charge if completely depleted. But on a direct DC, DC fast charger, you can get a full charge in 40 minutes which is pretty cool the interior is so nice the it's very clever what they did and it's kind of you know thank you so much the EV marketplace we um, really like how EV gives manufacturers opportunity to be different and daring with things like styling yes it does that's a great thing I feel like because of the nature of electric motors nowadays it's a renaissance for vehicle designers you no longer are limited to the height of a petrol engine or limited to cooling of a petrol engine like you would with this. I'm even wearing my air-cooled or water-cooled shirt because it's, it's very near and dear to my heart, especially with not only what we do with petrol engines but with EVs because they're they charged air-cooled with some slight water-cooling, water-cooling on the batteries as well. And this thing gets up. I mean, the 06 is about a little bit north of four seconds, which is not crazy, but for an SUV, it's pretty respectable. But above and beyond that, it's so comfortable, so luxurious. And I'm saying a lot of good things, but there's some things that um, um, some things that I would say I wasn't very happy with with this. Um, above and beyond the technology and the coefficient of drag was like 0.29 to really help with some range. I really wasn't very happy with my connectivity, with my Apple CarPlay. It, it was very laggy, to some aspect, which is kind of weird. Um, I heard a noise that was slightly, dare I say, artificial when I. Gave it full throttle. It's like a almost like a petrol-based noise. And I kind of like the mechanical noises of the electric motors. So I prefer that. But take away those two things away. This is, I'm ashamed to say, the perfect SUV. The perfect SUV because it has the styling, which is very attractive. The interior is absolutely fantastic. The sound system is to die for. Um, It it really has this this beautiful pickup with a single-speed setup. It's all-wheel drive, so it's safety, especially when we go up the mountains in, 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 the, in the wintertime here in California. But that's the great thing about California here. We have the capability. I am an hour away from the beach. I'm an hour away from the desert. I'm a hour away from the, from the snow when it's you know, closer to the end of the year. It's really cool. And this, this is stability. And then the handling. Jaguar, if you guys are listening, how did you get something so heavy to handle so well? I know what I had to go through to light my car and get to handle well, this Porsche. But you did it with a, a car that's almost the weight of my minivan. And it handles, it has that Jaguar handling of a sports car. It's really crazy, you know? Josh Wonderberg is asking, have I ever considered solar panels? Yes, I have. The challenge with solar panels is that the density. So I know a company, I think there's a company out there known as, um, um, I think it's Scion. And they are creating a whole vehicle that can allow you to have solar panels to try and power it. But I'm a performance EV guy, not just a mobility guy. So I think the technology is not there to allow us to completely power a... Four, six, eight hundred volt system with solar panels alone. Um, it can help with the 12 volt system. It can help give you a little bit more range, but it cannot fully charge for any period of time. You know, it's just, it's just not possible, you know? I see Fabian is kind of creep underneath the door here. He just hit his bottom, his bottom on the door. Um, just think how lucky you are to have all the spots in LA just our way. I am fortunate, you know, and that's the reason why I feel that that in California, SoCal, real estate is so expensive because it's so convenient, so comfortable, you know? So um, my next project, my next EV project, I do plan on incorporating some type of solar technology and as time progresses, because the, car, the next car I'm building will have a lot of, how should I say, physical real estate. It's gonna be a pretty large vehicle and I can try and take advantage of that by doing that, but I don't think um, I have access, as we said today, to the cell density that can allow me to fully charge a 32, you know, 65, 80, 90, 100 kilowatt hour battery pack properly in any given time with just the real estate on top of a vehicle. It's just not possible, you know? Um, Oluwai is saying, I sent you a DM. don't know if you saw it. So Oluwai, forgive me, please. I get hundreds of DMs, hundreds a day. So I try and get through them um, early mornings and the evenings when I'm too slammed, when I'm in the office. This is like my vacation, spending time with you guys, you know, which is great. Hello, L.A. Dismantle. Good seeing you. Um, new shirt update, air-cooled, water-cooled, electrified. Oh, I like how you think, Paul. Paul, you're really creative. And for those of you who don't know Paul, he's from Fox Designs. As you can see, he's right in there. The wagon back there, he helped me with that, with some great designs with that. Even the Hot Wheels Porsche, which is in the showroom right now, he did a shift. The guy is like, immensely, immensely talented, which is great. Hello, Totuline. Good seeing you. Um, I'm so popular. Thank you so much. And so are you. Thank you so much. L.A. Dismantler. For those of you who know L.A. Dismantler, the L.A. Smatler, um is a facility in the, I would say, Sun Valley area. And I buy a lot of my parts from them. A lot of no longer available parts. If I have a vehicle that I need to put together, for example, the K3V, they supplied the entire dash assembly, my stalk assembly, because the car was devoid of it when I picked it up. And Sarah and her team are amazing. If you need anything, Porsche, they are the one to happen, you know? Favorite EV I have driven and why? So I have to come, divide that into three parts, okay? In terms of day-to-day mobility and fun, this thing. The AC, the vented seats, the feel of the steering wheel. I mean, okay, you may say, what do you mean by feel of the steering wheel? Look at the... the, the, the the class leader in EV cars right now. And look at that steering wheel. That thing is so ugly, right? This thing, it's leather, it's Jaguar, it's elegant. I appreciate those fine touches, that, 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 that attention to detail, those details, I appreciate that, this has that. So, as a daily commuter, this, as far as I'm concerned, is my favorite commuter EV car. I mean it, guys, don't be surprised if I end up getting one of these. Okay, in terms of just absolute fun, EV-wise, <laughs> the K3V is bananas, this thing is scary. Um, I destroy drivetrain parts, which is great, but, you know, my guys from the driver's shop are helping me fix that. And it's spoiling me completely. It's completely turned me off to the feeling of petrol cars, unfortunately, which is great. So I really like that. And last but not least, in terms of a manufacturer stepping into the plate and making something happen, just thinking out of the box and going far forward, um, it's kind of a tie between what um, our friends from uh, Rimac are doing and also what Porsche did with the Taycan Turbo S. So, but in terms of cars that I've driven myself firsthand, I would say the BC motor K3V and this Jaguar I-Pace. Hmm? Any further updates on the Jay Leno possibly driving the K3V? No updates yet, you know. So, Koval just shared something which is really interesting. I, I kind of got the same message or inquiry from my friends across the pond at uh, Quaife this morning. The Monday where everything was shut down here in California, where the governor shut everything down, that Thursday is when we're supposed to shoot Jay Leno and the K3V. So, He's being safe, older gentleman, with COVID, so as soon as things die down and we're okay to do it, he'll be first in line to have to drive this, you know, which is great, you know? Velocity N, I can't wait for tomorrow, I imagine to my Velocity N. Yes, I'll be more than happy to, and what I'm gonna do to Velocity N Racing Red is, I'm gonna put his car on the Dinos, get a baseline, then I'm gonna grab his ECU, flash it accordingly, I'm gonna grab actually the files out of the ECU, and then I need to take some time based upon what I see with the baseline, And it'll take me a few hours to be able to do that and I'll modify his maps using WinOLS. And I'll put it back into his ECU and he'll have a jolly old time, which is great. So I'm pretty, pretty amazing, you know? Um, JDM at HWD saying, when you say the K3V turns you off to internal combustion powertrains, can you explain so? I will be more than happy to. So, I'll give you a little bit of background at DJM. I was anti-EV. This Jaguar, this K3, I was against them, okay? Why? Not because I experienced it. I thought that EV cars, even as a scientist, even as an engineer, EV cars are kind of for tree huggers, for people who want to save the environment. It was far from sexy. I didn't like it at all. Then I heard from my peers in the automotive community how it has no soul and is rubbish and it's just destroying the future and no fun, quiet, rubbish. I heard all these things. so. I was really against it, based upon not only what my mindset was, but also my peer influence. So guess what? I noticed that a lot of my, EV, my my OEM partners, you know, from Hyundai and Honda, and I knew that Jaguar was trying to get into this, were really putting more resources into the EV world. So I said, okay, as a builder and a tuner, despite my biases, I need to do the right thing and explore this market. So. I went to CES, saw what they were doing, decided to build my own. And with some influence with some people in the industry um, everyone from my guys from AEM to Ian Scott to Michael Bream I was able to say, you know what? Let me build my first one. And with some support from them and Mitch Peterson, I finally put this together. And the first time I drove this, I was blown away. It's just that. And at the same time as i was building this acro was sending us a bunch of nsx's and i I was able to track those and see the benefits of electric motor combined with petrol engines but never really a pure ev so guess what had the opportunity to build this and i drove it and the full so let me let me give you another backgrounder i'm an enthusiast first so i love speed and i also love to go fast without the guilt so a majority of my cars are petrol based i hated the smell I hated using tetraethyl lead as a way to have anti-knock properties. I hated toluene, I hated benzene, all these carcinogens in, in gasoline to allow you to be able to crank up the boost. So I started getting into flex fuels with the minivan and all this other stuff so I can have ethanol as a way to get cleaner performance. Then I fast forward to this EV, it no emissions whatsoever, the torque is like that. I'm telling you guys, you drive this, it is amazing. I have never, so I, I drive my K3V, it's this amazing Porsche 935 I jump into the blue IROC Porsche and I don't have that torque off the line it's like kind of anemic now feeling to me what I thought was amazing is now I and then I drive off and then it goes at the peak torque then I shift and then it starts off again with low efficiency goes to peak torque nice 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 then I shift again it falls so I'm like this is not fun and I have the noise and and here's something crazy I've talked about this a lot guys right Connection with the road Very important. You guys may not believe this, but can you believe that I feel more connected with a K3 electric car than I do a petrol engine? Almost like the petrol engine, the sound of the petrol engine Dampens my connection to the road with the EV. I feel the road. I hear the tires I feel the pebbles going up in the wheel well. I feel more connected to the tarmac It's really weird guys. So weird and I do that without the guilt, you know, which is amazing. How does a pure EV compare to a performance hybrid? Well, let's say this: comparing the K3V to I have a client's uh, NSX here. I would say the for those who want to feel the vibrations of a petrol engine, a performance hybrid allows you to do that. But still, you have emissions and still you have hydrocarbons coming out of the tailpipe. But it gives you that combination of the immediate torque off the line. And then the combination of the sound and feeling of petrol engine. But a performance EV, it's really interesting. In my K3V, I have the engine noise pumping into the cabin. So I don't have any partitions between the engine compartment where the motor sits and also my compartment. So you hear that mechanical noise and it's quite intoxicating. You look down, like, oh my God, I'm doing 100. You have to be very careful. It's really interesting. But for the pure experience, I'm telling you guys, I used to be the same way, I was totally against it. Performance EVs—they're here to stay, and they're actually quite magnificent. And then to take that now into the luxury market, where I can now have a guilt-free experience in an EV that I can just plug in at home. You know, with COVID, I am terrified of touching pumps. I really am. I'm absolutely terrified of going to a gas pump and grabbing that pump and squeeze. So I had this crazy ritual one spraying things down and wiping things down. But now here, I plug in at work. I plug in at home. The cost per miles is so much lower, and I was really afraid, you know, Testamino's here, you know, being able to hear that for the first, absolutely, um, Testemino, he knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's crazy. And said Michael, I just mentioned him a moment ago, being a big influence on me. Um, it's amazing how I can now feel comfortable with a petrol station in my house and a petrol station in an office, and it's really great. Uh, Chi GT3 came in a little bit late he's asking what is that behind me this is a 2019 Jaguar or Jaguar as we say back home Ipace. so it's the EV400 has about 400 horsepower 395 to be exact and 519 pound for the torque with a coefficient drag of 0.29 it has all these cool vents that allow air to actually pass through the car and make it more efficient it has this very strange back which is very nice and low so it's not quite like a full suv but also not a station wagon almost like a semi hatch Um, A lot of creature comforts, which is very nice. Some nice 20-inch wheels with some Goodyear tires around it, all-wheel drive. Um, Gets a little bit north of 200 miles, uh, full range, at a 90-kilowatt-hour pack. Um, Very luxurious. very well put together. The interior appointments are absolutely beautiful. And I was mentioning earlier on, there's another manufacturer out there that's very popular that has the market in a stranglehold in terms of of volume sales. But you look at the fit and finish in those cars, it pales in comparison to what Jaguar has done. And all of this, you get all of that with a sound system, AC, air lift suspension, all this crazy, amazing stuff. Like This one fully loaded is $88,000. $88,000, which is great, you know? Um, Shutter Smart says, tell us about the twin turbo 930 Porsche. Okay, I can. It's a 1975 Porsche. Um, We just uh, did something recent with Jay Leno, so you can see a really in-depth driving experience with that with Jay, and he loved it. It is the first car that I ever built that was a Porsche petrol engine. It's the first engine I built as far back as 2007. It's the same engine is still in it. I think the guys from DDE had some fun with it here in the complex. It has twin um, 57 millimeter turbos, um, air-to-air intercooler, runs on an AEM uh, Series 2, which is soon to be upgraded. Um, it is absolutely a blast to drive, 850 horsepower, weighs 2,400 pounds, so it's very lightweight, and really was the most terrifying thing I'd ever driven. Almost killed me on the side of the street until I built an electric car here, which is pretty interesting, you know? Um, if anything, you're worried about tire quality and life. Take a break, charge it up, and keep the fun going. Amen, thank you so much. Good afternoon, little Turk. Why did not I use a 964? Um, I didn't have access to one. So here's one thing that I do. I have this really strange mindset. You guys may think I'm pretty bananas, right? I am big at upcycling. Now, what does that mean? I feel that it's more detrimental to our planet to build a car from scratch, then repurpose one that already has been built. So what does that mean? Well, I tend to find rolling shells quite a bit, and I tend to build those up. So the K3V was a rolling shell that I found in the desert area, um, close to the Palm Desert, um, owned by Ron Palmer. He was gonna have his girlfriend race it, but she wanted something newer, so I ended up picking that up. The blue Porsche was one I found in San Diego, a rolling shell as well. Um, I don't tend to find a lot of 964, Rollers and I look for them. I'm looking for a 964 C4 roller right now. They're not very common, and if I did I would do that for me to take a, a Proper running 964 and take it apart um, I'd rather put another portion of the road that's destined to a life of never being driven or tracked ever, you know So which is pretty cool LJ St. Bc. I have a 94 Acura legend on black black on black nice Consider EV swapping. What do you think? Is it worth it considering the EV for sleeper status? Yes, it depends. Now, from a commuter perspective, it could be a pretty cost effective way to making that car really cool, right? But if you want a performance EV, it gets to be quite expensive. Um, just to give you, a, give you a little bit of a backgrounder, to build a K3V, and that's not including a lot of engineering insight that went into it from, from Michael and from Sam and myself, it cost me close to 60 grand. Of which a majority of that was batteries and battery management, so that being said, it can be quite expensive, you know, but if you just wanted a commuter, if you wanted something that made let 's say one hundred and twenty horsepower and one hundred and seventy four pounds of torque, you can easily get some of these really cool three phase motors, um, netgen makes some, um, for example, make an adapter plate, and adapt to your own gearbox and that could be a cost effective way of getting some really cool mobility solutions for your vehicle, but you're not going to go crazy in terms of horsepower It's just a cool mobility device, but if you want to do something really performance You can look at north of 25,000 just doing that now for those of us who from the sport compact realm, Do magnificent things with front-wheel drive applications where we're going You know low nines eight sevens many of us invest what 50 60 70 80, 100 grand in the cars so I look forward to the day when I build a front wheel drive drag EV, which will be more cost effective and less maintenance and less things that break than a petrol setup and break records there too, like run eights and sevens and so on and so forth. So I look forward to that, you know? E30 says, Can you tune my E30 Mega Squirt? I can, but I tend not to. Um, Mega Squirt with the MS3 using even the Tuner Studio software is, is a program that I feel is very restrictive of me as a tuner. So I tend to shy away from those. So um, I wouldn't be the best tuner for you on your megasquirt, unfortunately, you know? No need for only 124 horsepower. A Tesla small drive unit is 250, and they're cheap because they're everywhere in junkyards It's called Volt. Yes, they are. However, it is the control of that and the battery packs of that and the inverters for that, I'm mean, not an inverter, I should say, but the charging system, the BMS to do everything properly, that adds up. Um, you will get close to 20 grand in doing that. So even though they're cost effective, um, it can be quite invasive, especially when it comes to fabrication. So to put that in Legend, it will require some decent fabrication. So if someone wants to buy a factory Legend engine, you can find Legend engines for $1,000. That being said, it depends on what the customer wants. Um, We've quoted out quite a few customers for their builds. And the Tesla swaps are great options. I mean, it has the motor, the inverter, uh, um, all in one, which is pretty. It transacts all in one unit, so it's very nice. In some cars, it's easy to install, and in others it's quite invasive. But the other accessories that go around it, the other things that you have to do to get it going, tends to add up very quickly. So I'm just being a realist and keeping it real with all of you out there. It can get expensive, so you have to determine what you want to do as your base, what is your goal and what's your budget and come to a conclusion that is more realistic, eh? Wow, so the pain made it. Welcome, sir, good seeing you. Um, Thank you so much for the kind words, NETA86HF. Appreciate that indeed. How long do you think you take before EVs can match the affordable performance? I see, it's it's gonna take a while. And uh, Garrett, Zach, I'll be honest with you, internal combustion still is not affordable. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. They say, and I believe in this, cheap, fast, reliable. Choose only two. Okay? Cheap and fast won't be reliable. Cheap and reliable won't be fast. Fast and reliable will not be cheap. So that still holds true even in internal combustion engines. So I'll give you a perfect example where I feel that we may have already reached that parity. And let's talk about Porsches. So to build a Rebuild an air-cooled Porsche power plant, air-cooled. They say 964, someone brought a 964 earlier on. So a 3.6-liter flat-six air-cooled engine. Most proper builders who are worth their salt would charge you 40 to $50,000 just, just for a rebuild. And without rebuild, you can use the factory pistons or factory compression. You can go with an aftermarket compression with pistons like, say, from Trom. You can go aftermarket rods. But it costs you 40 to $50,000. And you have a stock engine. Then you want a turbocharger, right? So you have to add a turbo system, an engine management, and then a fuel system to support that. And before you know it, you are 100k to make 400 horsepower, 600 horsepower, maybe 800 horsepower. But let's say you had that same 100,000 dollars and you want to convert to EV, you can do that with probably 30,000 to spare, very nicely. So that being said, think about it. We are almost at a parity now. If you're talking about doing something like an LS swap, where you just take a 240SX and you throw an LS that you can get from a wrecking yard for $1,000, um, dollars you will still be an LS, but to do it right still adds up, you know, which is pretty interesting. So, would it ever get there? Maybe if people start doing some clever things with electrical motors that repurpose from a junkyard as well, and using freeware for control of inverters and all that crazy, for, you know, so who knows? It may take some time, but right now, at least in the portion market, we're in a parity, if not to an advantage, you know? What are some of ways you study engineering before college, says Josh Wonderbread. Ways to study engineering before college? I'm a weird one. So if you mean by, an, hey, AJ, good seeing you, fellow engineer right there, uh, reading books, taking classes prior to entering university. In high school, you could take engineering-level classes, or you could take college-level classes while still there. If you're a very good at academia, like I was, you can skip grades like I did. So there are many ways of doing that, but maybe I don't understand your question properly. Hopefully I answered it well for you. Hello, Volos de Photo. good seeing you. Greetings, Brian911. Hello, sir, long time no speak. Hopefully all is well. So on the pain says, considering in getting a fifth generation maxima, everyone including Craig Loomis says they suck. Any recommendations, do you tune them? I'd like to build a three to 400 horsepower maxima. You could. So um, I am actually almost the wrong person to ask that, and why? Not because I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a great idea because I think of the box. And I feel that anything you want to do, do it. And if people say you can't, that's more ammunition. Do you know how many people said that a D series would never run 13s, let alone 12s, let alone 11s, let alone 10s? Do you know how many people told me that a single cam would never even see low 10s, let alone 9s, let alone low 9 seconds? And this is naturally aspirated. But I proved them wrong. I had the opportunity. The more people say no to me, the more I feel like I would do it. I would do it. I would do it. So I love Craig Lieberman. He's a great guy. I've known him from far back as the Nopi days. So that being said, by all means, do what you feel ideal. But keep in mind that doing one-off projects, things that are not very popular can be quite expensive to do it properly. So prepare yourself for a little expense. Prepare yourself and have thick skin because a lot of people will naysay you. But don't let it stop you. Do what you can. Do what you want. And it's so gratifying when people say, no, you can't, and you prove them wrong. It's the most amazing thing on the planet. I love it. You know? Thank you, Jay Pizzle. Appreciate the kind words. Um, do you have an opinion on the Australian Utes? Oh, I do. So, um, my good friend, I mean, he's, he's just, oh my God, he's just amazing. Um, Brett Gas is the owner of Carbon Rev. You guys may know Carbon Revolution. They make the carbon fiber wheels that are on the four GTs and on the um, uh, um, GT500s, uh, have it on the Cayman here, and on the red center seat, and it's just, I, I love his wheels, right, just absolutely fantastic. Well, he wants us to build an Ute for him, and I think it's cool. So for those of you who don't know think of an El Camino, just, I mean are you still here? Think of an El Camino on steroids. Think of an El Camino with a hold a GM motor. You know, think of that, just something really cool. So Ford has an Ute, um, there are also Utes that exist in the GM realm. And they are like a little two-seater pickup things that are really cool or are slammed, they can make it very fast. So I think they're really cool. It's a shame we didn't have those here in the U.S., but I think a couple guys have imported them to have fun here in the U.S., which is pretty cool, you know? Um, How come we haven't seen the Odyssey do full launches with the new electric engines in the back, says E30 Sheb, because that car doesn't exist. If you look back, E30 Sheb, the electric motor in the back of the Odyssey was a April Fool's joke, an April Fool's joke. So it was on the 1st of April, it was a joke that I did, I saw a lot of interest from that so something can still come to fruition. I submitted that proposal to Honda and they're like, ah, we're not really interested in doing that. So if I end up doing it, I have to come out of pocket myself. But right now, that was totally, totally an April Fool's prank. So forgive me if I got your hopes up high. Forgive me indeed. Okay? Hello, Bayside Supra. Good seeing you. No, E30. You're not stupid. I kind of did a very good job with that particular thing because not only did I show the van, I talked about the guys who, some people who are allegedly calling me out. I had the opportunity to even show a, a, a rear end from Electric GT that they did on a BMW. I think a guy back east helped with that. And I kind of showed that so it kind of looked like an Odyssey rear end. So I kind of messed with you really badly. So it's not your fault at all. You're not stupid at all, sir. You're not stupid at all, you know? Thoughts about 1JZ, 2JZ RBs. Okay, waited four. Put it this way 1JZ, 2JZ, great support. 2JZ GTEs are amazing setups. You can make a thousand horsepower stock block. The camshafts are really small from factory, so you throw some cams in there, you look like a hero. I never did like the 1JZ or 2JZ intake ports and exhaust ports because they're so small, there's much opportunity there. RBs are formidable. Um, I like those power plants with the exception that they are cast iron bottom ends. If I had to choose between those three you mentioned, I like the 2JZ GTE with VVTi. That's like one of my favorite Toyota motors, and I think they're amazing. But um, they don't last forever. In other words, we won't have them indefinitely. So um, I like them. i tuned to quite a few of them. People have done great things with them. They're pretty cool. Um, who's calling you out? Well, I don't know if it was legitimate because those guys said they didn't, but you know how people like stir up stuff? I heard that the guys from Boosted Boys called me out to race my van but ended up not being true. They actually are good guys. They actually help the van culture by also creating things like, you know, pushing a wagon. You know, we built a wagon van back in 2007. 2007, 2008, so they built one as well and made it more popular with the younger market. Um, we did an Odyssey for American Honda 2013. They also did an Odyssey, Performance Odyssey, so that's good, but when people see you do similar things, they tend to try and butt heads. I don't, I'm don't. not a fan of, of negativity and, and people calling each other. I'm just not a fan of that. Um, if you want to race, we race on the track, have fun, but to just call out, that's so childish, but they didn't do it. So it was, it was rubbish, indeed. So I thought they did. I kind of took a spin on that and did a Pretty cool April Fool's joke you know. Spencer Media says hello I've graduated high school and I'm stuck between jumping out and learning how to tune or going to school for mechanical engineering. What would be your advice on what to do and I'll give you the same advice I gave myself. Both. You don't have to choose one or the other. I as an engineering student raced, tuned, experimented, designed on the side as a student as I went to school. And it did two things. It made me a better student because the concepts I learned in school now made more sense. I really mean that, guys. When you're in engineering school, if you don't have a practical application of what you're learning, it tends to be just something you, re- you, you ingest and regurgitate. You don't quite understand it well. But if you're taking fluid dynamics and you understand, oh my god, atomization of, flu- of fluids is what I'm using for my injectors. That's why a spray pattern with the RDX injectors gives me more power. Oh my goodness. Or you talk about heat and mass transfer. You think about conservation of energy by using coatings to keep heat and combustion chamber and do more work on the pistons and create more power. All those things tend to make sense now, right? So, to be the best engineering student and the best tuner, combine the two. Go to school. I don't care if you have to volunteer in a shop that you're interested in. I don't care if you intern or you get paid part-time. Work in a shop, get your feet wet, get a project car, play with it. Be the best engineering student you can. Ask questions, think out of the box. It does wonders. And I'll tell you one thing as I interact with companies like Hyundai. And General Atomics and, and Northrop these companies when they go to choose choose people to join their teams they'll rather choose engineers that have practical experience particularly in racing or or, or fabrication so that being said that's my advice to you and we can make things happen no cap matters as you be an intern yes you can but you have to send in a resume to see if you have the qualities that we're looking for here at bcmodo so if you send a resume to a lab lab at BCMoto.com, If you have what it takes we'll bring you in do a few interviews and you can join our team and have some fun and we love you we absorb you how cool is that you know how do you feel about electric pumps for daily use are they 100k reliable so it depends on the brands not all brands are created equally so i've seen a lot of electric water pumps from bosch i assume that's what you mean i've seen from mesier and i've run both with cars without failure i can only speak for those two bosch factory like original factory bosch one units um, Mercedes-Benz uses it, I think, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think Ford uses it on some liquid-to-air intercoolers as well. Um, the Mezier, their company out in Southern California here, I've used their pump with great things, you know. So it's pretty nice, you know. Site Carson is saying, which facility you want? The one in South Bay, near Carson? Uh, I would say more close to El Segundo. And uh, we have a few engineers that we interact with there. And um, they tend to hire some interns that come through here and they tell us what they look for, which is pretty good, you know? Um, What is the minimum age and qualifications to internship with you? I'll be giving too much away, right? But I can tell you age-wise, we've had interns as young as 16 years old here, which is not a problem, you know? Are oil coolers worth it? Yes, especially if you have an engine that tends to have very high oil temps, or an engine that doesn't have great cooling, or better yet, an an inefficient oil. (laughs) So what I mean by that, um, some oils have better thermal stability than others, and have the ability to wick heat away and, and disperse of them. Um, my friends from Pure they are an aerospace company and they have vast experience with high temperatures and high friction and even, dare I say, high chemical resilience applications. So their oils, they tend to know what to do with the additive package to be able to put those challenges at bay, you know? Bighead Z Design says, how did you get into Porsche BC? I need be a post-chamber for a 911 SC. Love your work ethic and attitude. No negativity in our car community. Amen, big head. So I'll make it quick because our time is getting kind of crazy. But here's what happened. When I came to the United States, my first vehicle was a Nissan. I was a student. That one got crashed, so I got a CRX. That CRX was what put me through school. It was my experimentation car. So I really primarily dealt with the Sport Compact. As I graduated from school, got into pharmaceutical research, I started doing very well, OEMs started taking notice and I started racing for OEMs as a semi-pro. Did that quite a bit, especially with American Honda, and ended up upgrading from my CRX to a Honda Insight and doing well with that. Now because of my success on and off the track, I had the opportunity to attract a lot of teams who wanted me to tune their cars because not only did I do a lot of development here, I also had the opportunity to do my own tuning with my own Dynapak dynamometer. Amongst those individuals were people from a haunted challenge, very, very competitive series. There's H1, H2, H3, H4, and these guys, every horsepower counts. One gentleman in particular, his name is Benoit Pequa, a Benny Pequa. Benny came from France, just like myself, was a student, made his money in the dot com boom, sold his company, I believe, to an Indian organization, and retired very young. But his car, when he came to the United States, just like myself, was a Honda. I think it was CRX to be exact. He also raced Honda Challenge. Even though he was very wealthy and very comfortable and retired, he still raced Honda Challenge and did very well do it. very good driver indeed. And he brought his car here for us to tune. And he saw how my tuning style was, what I did in terms of creativity. I talked to him about a lot of my experiments and so on and so forth. And Benny would drive Porsches daily. I said, BC, you know what? Um, you should get into the Porsche market. These guys... The market consists of a lot of older tuners who are very strict, very rigid, they don't think out of the box, they don't have their creativity. We need younger tuners like yourself to get into this market. And I took his advice and said, you know, Benny, I would do that. So instead of experimenting on a customer's car, which a lot of shops do, very bad idea, I went and bought that roller shell from San Diego, thought about an engine that people hated, which was the M96 engine, the Porsche community, applied my Honda ingenuity to that, meaning I addressed all the shortcomings of the engine, I was able to make a thousand horsepower with that engine without qualm, and almost killed me so I turned it down to 700 and then bumped it back up to 850 when I was a little bit more comfortable. So it's pretty good, you know. So that being said, um, that's how I got into the Porsche world. It was through one of my Honda customers, believe it or not, it's nice, you know. I'm 14, says Jin. "Um, What do you think of a Mazda RX8 for a first car? That's not bad. That's actually pretty cool. And you know what? I think that has a Renesis engine, doesn't it? Um, the Renesis engine is um, a newer generation Wankel or rotary engine. And I think that can teach you a lot of discipline. Those cars have had a bit of a bad rap um, in terms of emissions, sound, and to some extent, reliability. So I think that'd be a good car as a first car for you to appreciate. Don't LS swap it. Learn the intricate details and simplicity of the, of the, of the Wankel engine. And maybe you can be a better BC for that scene, which they need, you know? Grand House Coop, or Grand House PE, says, Hope you're doing well, BC. What keeps you motivated when you're working alone in the shop? All this social distancing has been getting to me lately. And I, I figure, brother. Um, I'm really weird. I enjoy solitude. Well, creative solitude. One of the worst things that can happen to me is me just sitting in a jail cell. That would That will suck. On a room where I can do anything, right? But if I can have the ability to create, that is like, creation is something that is very near and dear to me. It feels like gardening, or some people knit. But when I'm creative, I'm in a different zone. And believe it or not, I created more products during the first few weeks of COVID social distancing than I did in the past probably year, year and a half. And it was great. So that being said, I tend to focus on the end product. And that is on everything. You know how many of you um, go to SEMA and do cool things for SEMA projects and so on and so forth and it's just so labor-intensive and horrible and no matter how you plan, it's still last minute? In my case, I get a lot of delays um, from external things that happen and then finally when it's time for me to get the car together, I have very little time. When I focus on what I'm doing right there and then, it's very difficult. It hurts. I can get easily discouraged. But when I focus on end product, when I focus on what my goal is, on what it will look like when it's done, that is very motivating. It gives me a lot of energy to keep going. So during COVID, when sitting here, I think about the end product and that keeps me focused and keeps me chipping away to get to my goal. And once I get to the goal, I achieved it, I go to the next goal, which is pretty good. I wired up this entire EV, this K3V, all 32 kilowatt hours. I have 96 cells in the rear, 96 cells in the front, with each of the six battery packs in the front and rear having two thermistors, I had I've never done wiring. I really never had to. I crimped all of those wires to both BMSs and installed it myself. And it was actually quite, quite, quite good, you know? <laughs> JDM says, too many questions. I, I'm used to it, I get that a lot. And I try and answer them as much as I can. And that's why it's good that we do this every week, because I can have the opportunity to, to be able to do you know, great things, you know? So, ah. How's your 3D printing? Asked Andrew Ricky. Is it still using for prototype? Of course. My, my, my Fusion 360 program and that forged um, device I use for 3D printing—it's—it's—it's it's, it's invaluable. Um, FlashForge is my 3D printer I use. I can also—I have a camera inside as well that I can remotely view and see what's going on, how well my thing is going. It's been, I would say, extremely valuable to myself and my team. You know, which is good. You know. Um, Basically, my questions didn't get answered today. I'm sorry, we'll say, What did you ask? Maybe I can grab it because we have a few more minutes before we'll I have to log off. And as I continue, you know, I do want to, however, thank Rosnack, Team Rosnack, for being a bad influence on me, for providing this wonderful EV400 Eye Pace Jaguar, because it's really given me a better appreciation for British luxury combined with EV technology. They did a good job. The handling this car superb. You know, it's not the most fastest thing I've ever driven, but it gets up very nicely for an EV SUV That weighs 4,700 pounds. The handling is superb um, Love to be able to help out with some telematics on it <laughs> if I can, but I wouldn't mind modif- I wouldn't my mind- guys I wouldn't mind modifying one of these that'd be pretty cool wouldn't it, you know? Um, Tucked Radiators says JDM for life Are they efficient in fooling a, in fully or cooling? I think you see a motor under heavy loads. It depends It depends, so Tucker radiator, radiator, if designed properly, I don't know, Kevin is not here, ITB Kevin is not here, he has one. If it's designed properly, I know CSF does a good job with some of their designs here. If it is designed properly with the proper fin count, the proper pass-through, the proper thickness, it can cool as efficiently as one that is not and look good doing it too. It's only when you have inefficient fin counts where the surface area is not ideal or if you have a pass-through that's quite restrictive, or you just have a crappy design is when you have challenges. So, there's no one-size-fits-all. I can't say all Tucker are bad, I can't say all Tucker are good. It depends on the design, you know? Any weaknesses on the fifth gen Maxima that I should address before I performance parts? Son of pain, I have never built a Maxima, so I wouldn't be in a position to be able to share that with you. But I can tell you one thing based on my experience. As you build it, they will present themselves. I constantly get cars that I have no knowledge on. Like, for example, if I end up working with Jaguar or on building this, I have no idea what is going to break on it when I start pushing the envelope. But I welcome that challenge. So when it does fracture, if I do something on the drivetrain, I reinforce, over-engineer, and put it to use. If I do something with the inverter, that's not proper. I re-engineer, make better, back off, and keep going. When I built the Odyssey minivan, I had a lot of challenges, but I overcame each one to make it reliable. When I built the blue Porsche, same thing. The EV Porsche is a constant living, breathing organism. I'm finding ways to continue to improve. So Maxima, I don't have that information because I never built one. If I did, I'll have that information for you. But don't shy away from it. Do what you need to do, and by all means, you'll have an opportunity to improve. You know? What mods would you do to an RWB964? A ton? One thing, I love Nakai. I love the entire team, I love the guys over there, I love the doctor, um, Christian I love very much. But the one thing about the RWB is it adds a little bit of weight and a lot of drag to the factory cars. So, believe it or not, if you have an RWB 964, it's actually slower than a stock one. You have wider wheels, you have more drag, you have a little bit more weight. The best thing to do, and we've done that with quite a few RWB motos, is to put on a bolt-on turbo kit to that. With a bolt-on turbo kit, you don't have to go in internals. You can make 350, 400 horsepower to the wheels with those with a factory 964 engine reliably. And that's what I would suggest you do. turbocharge that setup. Make the car match performance to its looks because the RWD cars look really freaking cool. They look really great. They look absolutely amazing. They look like they are doing 100 miles plus an hour standing still. But the worst thing that you can do as an enthusiast is to hot-boy it, have Nakai do his beautiful work to it, and leave his stock. It's slower. It's slower to stock. It really is. So by all means, please, 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 do a turbo kit. If you need help, drop the car off here. We can help you out, okay? Hope that helps. So with that wonderful question, guys, I'm going to head out. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me on this Tech Tuesday. Thank you, Rusnak, for being a bad influence on me with this EV400 iPace. I'm going to do a review, put that up on my YouTube feed. So if you are not part of my YouTube channel, please, Go on YouTube, type in Moto, subscribe, hit that notification bell, so every time I put a video up, crazy, you can definitely do that. Um, Boris, let's talk about that next week. I have to fly. This thing is already 10 in. My time is up, so it's time for me to depart. But I really appreciate all you guys. Stay safe. See you soon. And thanks for being amazing. Cheers, everyone. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye.